Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert and publisher of the Journeys to Success Napoleon Hill Inspired Stories book series. And uh, you can find out more about me and uh, this interview at my website, journeytosuccessradio.com. My co-host for today is the best-selling book cover creator for the Journeys (laughs) to Success uh, book series, Brad Zollis. Uh, It took me about a bunch of years even just to get that last name right. So, uh, Brad, introduce yourself, please, before we uh, introduce our amazing guest today. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Once again, my name is Brad Zalas. I'm the award-winning author of Liquid Leadership, which delves deeply into the generational divide that's affecting everything today, which I know both of uh, Tom and our guest today know all about. Uh, And that makes me a millennial expert, which uh, I look into the behavior and the communication styles of each generation and how that affects your corporate culture, uh, profitability, uh, government, uh, academia, everything, even parenting. Uh, And uh, I just want to say thank you. It's an honor to be on today's call. Thanks, guys. And people can find you at liquidleadership.com. That's right, www.liquidleadership.com. Thank now, you. Now, Brad, our, our interview today is more with a friend than anyone else, an amazing friend, and he's setting the record on Journey to Success Radio. This is his fourth interview, and uh, wow. Tony uh, Rubleski is responsible for many of the amazing authors and speakers uh, that I currently call friends today, including yourself, uh, Brad. And uh, I wrote a, an amazingly nice testimonial for his last book uh, where I said the same thing. He's responsible for many of my great friends and for much of my success. He's the president of the Mind Cat- Capture Group, and his message is designed to help people capture more minds and profit. He's an in-demand speaker who's given hundreds of presentations the past decade. He's a strategic business coach and global event promoter with over 20 years of experience in the personal development industry. He's been featured in various media outlets ranging from Bottom Line Magazine, the Detroit Free Press, Fox TV Network, ABC, CNN Radio, NPR, and Entrepreneur Magazine Radio. He's also served as a faculty member with both the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and CEO Space International. Welcome to the show, Tony. Well, thank you, gentlemen. And, uh, boy, that's quite an introduction. I I must have been to the last 20 years doing something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you sure are responsible for uh, many of my great friends, including our friend Brad here. Yeah, thank you, guys. it's just uh, it's like we're going to grab a cup of coffee at Starbucks, the three right. of us, from Toronto to New York City to Idaho, where we're all stationed right now as we interview. So I'm excited for this. Nice. Brad, why don't you start with the uh, first question there for Tony? Absolutely. And uh, I just want to uh, say thank you, Tony. I mean, it's been back and forth for both of us. I wouldn't have met Tom if it wasn't for Tony. And uh, a lot of people may know this, but uh, Tony wrote the forward to my best-selling book, uh, Liquid Leadership. So thank you so much. You are a, how can I say this? You are the, the person who's six degrees of separation to everybody on planet Earth. Am I right, Tony? <laughs> right, right. First <laughs> well, and second degree. Thank you, degree, guys. Thank you guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Tony, you know, I've been asking this to uh, a lot of people in the last month, and I I think it's a great starting point as a question because uh, our listeners are tuning in, really, because they want to know what are the tips and the secrets to success. So I'm going to ask you this question. What was the turning point in your life where you said, I want to be an entrepreneur? I want to take it to this next level. 
I'm going to do what I do with Mind Capture Group. Can you can you answer that? Well, first off, it's a great question, Brad, and I've never been asked that. I, I think if I recall back in my mind, I've been on my own for about 11 years with Mind Capture Group uh, this year. So if I were to go back probably about a year before that, what struck me when you asked the question was, I was VP at an ad agency at the time, and I had self-published the first Mind Capture book. And the endorsements started to come in from around the world, and I was frankly shocked, gentlemen. You know, I was in my early 30s. I didn't really know what I was doing per se. I had a gut feeling the book would be okay, but when, you know, Brian Tracy, Dan Kennedy, you know, other big names in the industry that we, we call our peers started to endorse, I thought things are going to change now. <laughs> so I went to the president of the company and said, look, Tom, uh, he was an ear and friend. I said, I really want to go out and train. The book now is opening so many doors that I couldn't have foreseen. I was getting calls from, you know, Europe, Australia, doing interviews. And, guys, it was sort of like, um, you know, build the staircase in the dark. You, you kind of go one progression at a time or one step. And I said, you know, I'd like to go out and speak and train. And I pretty much knew, guys, that, you know, for our audience listening, that when that moment struck, it was like my former employer knew it was time for me to go. And he was very gracious to, again, I want to thank him, let me write a book when I was VP. A lot of companies back at that point might be very scared of that, but I was very forthright about the fact that people kept saying, you need to write a book, you're good at sales and marketing, you're a good teacher. So that genesis had us go back about 12 years ago. And, um, you know, I have to, again, look at the world I was in. I was in advertising, creating all kinds of unique promotions. A lot of my mentors, I was following their teaching and uh, implementing lots of unique fun things. That was probably the funnest point of any worker or job I've ever had was working at the ad agency for a few years to really percolate the first mind capture book. And then that was a genesis a year later once the manuscript was endorsed by all these big names to go out on my own, uh, gosh, way back in 2005. So that was really, to answer your question, Brad, the genesis, it wasn't sexy like a lightning bolt or like, oh my gosh, I had this flash of inspiration from the divine. It didn't quite occur that way. It was a gradual progression over about a year. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Tony, uh, uh, let's get to the Napoleon Hill principle of learning from adversity and defeat, because after reading that introduction, people might think that Tony Robleski's had a straight-up journey up the hill to success. And yet, uh, 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 I remember after your first book, if I remember correctly, you were going through a divorce and mailing them from, uh, I think, living in the basement of the home you shared, and I think mailing them out yep. from that said basement. And when I met you at the Think and Grow Rich Summit in Del Mar, California, that you put on, uh, you were breaking up with a girlfriend and were enormously somewhat uh, depressed and yet recently uh, you had a blessing from that adversity so explain some of the uh, <laughs> adversities and defeats you've had before people think that uh, uh, it's been a straight arrow to the top for you well first off um, I mean I know you guys as friends and as peers as well in the industry is we all have our setbacks and adversity um, is going to strike you at some point so for those that are listening in today Wherever you may be in this world, I don't know who this message will reach, but you might be in the middle of your own personal sort of hell or the dark night of the soul. And I'm here to tell you, and I know Tom and Brad, you guys will back me up, um, there is the next morning. There is that, you know, the next morning there is dawn. And it's just a matter of you've got to go through it. It's not sexy. It's something that in our industry um, some people don't like to talk about. And, again, it's a personal choice. I reveal it because it's made me who I am. So, Tom, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we had that adversity of a divorce, and you try to process that. And then you fast forward a few years later, when we all met in California, I was uh, in a relationship for a couple of years that was nearing its twilight or its end. And, you know, I had to take a close look in the mirror after that ended and say, I need to get something going on here to get myself stronger and healthier and really do some personal introspection. And I have to tell you guys, that's where I went back to the bookshelf, and I, and I did a lot of self-reflection again, and I talked to very closely, I would say, wise mentors about relationships and went to different counselors and I sought, you know, advice. The point is this. Um, some people that are listening also might be on a roll right now. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is keep that momentum, but be prepared that if things change, that's where your training will come into play, is when you have, when the bullets start firing is where, you know, the courage is made, as they say, in the military. So at some point, you will have it. It's how you respond and how quickly you respond. Um, you guys know I was down the dumps for a few months 
more so after the breakup with, with my girlfriend, who I dated after my divorce. So those processes, they aren't fun to go through, but you learn so much wisdom on the other side. And it does feel like uh, certain days are like a year, like is this ever going to pass? And you need to have good friends around you. You guys have been great friends as well as peers, as I mentioned, but great books. And, and there's plenty of people that go through this by the millions, folks. Every day they're going through their own little struggle, some are bigger than others. So I'm here to tell you that when you come out the other side, that persistence factor that, that Napoleon Hill talks about heavily and, and dealing with adversity, he's spot on. And again, um, I'm grateful to Hill's work because I was reading that at various points the last 20 years, but I really dove into it during my divorce, and I, I was reading it even more during the post-divorce period. And then obviously after a breakup, you start to go back and say, what do we do different? What do we learn that we don't want to repeat? That's the broken record theory. And what do we want to do completely different? So I give Hill a lot of credit for, you know, that guy revealed his soul. So, again, if someone in the call has not really dug into Hill's library, you've got to go to Thinking Grow Rich and reread it again. Just read it again two weeks ago. And you should definitely go right or said, I believe, guy who's outwitting the devil. Um, his mm -hmm. posthumous release, 2011. Uh, outwitting the devil speaks to me more because it was almost like he wrote it for now. But uh, wisdom is wisdom. It's timeless beyond the grave. And as Hill would say, if you're going to think and grow rich, you know, if these words have struck a chord, we have met in a different, you know, we've met my friends. So go back and read the last paragraph of Think and Grow Rich. His legacy lives on. You cannot dispute it. And uh, his teaching has helped people not only grow rich, but also come back from when they don't feel rich. How's that? Amazing. Now you right. can't end this question without bragging on your new wife because you overmarried there, I think. <laughs> yes, there there is there is sort of the the, uh, the sunrise after the dark night, and you know through it all, um, we don't understand sometimes the way synchronicity or you know God winks as I call them or timing can play. But um, I did not see this relationship with my, my now my new wife as we record this interview um, because I just didn't didn't look at her that way, and I didn't even wasn't the right frame of mind. And sometimes, as my wife would tell me jokingly. Uh, the one that you're supposed to be with is right in front of you. You sometimes don't know it for years. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife, Lacey, is just a, a real firebrand, you know, red-haired ginger, lover to death. And um, will definitely raise the bar for me to keep pushing and to keep intellectually being challenged and to serve more because uh, you guys have met her. Or, Tom, you haven't met her yet, but Brad's met her. No. Um, just wise beyond her years. Much younger chronologically in age, 11 years, I'm older. But she keeps up mentally at a level that is someone is, you know, uh, much more mature. So I thank God every day. We both kind of chuckle that we don't want to take this union for granted ever. So we still act as if we're, we're dating. Right. And mo one more That's reason awesome. that when I grow up, I want to be Tony Robleski. <laughs> that five foot two growing up is a great option as well. Well, I, I thank you for the compliment. Let me throw this out. Um, I'm a big believer that, you know, uh, those of us that are in the personal development space that go out and give up time away from our family, which we all do, okay, that we see the potential in people before they see it. Or we light the match in their mind um, to get them thinking differently. And if we can do that, gentlemen, and those that are listening on this call today, we may give them a different perspective, a different angle or approach, we've done our mission. And um, the older I get in the industry age-wise, the more I'm about uh, teaching and getting someone to move off their center. Not about preaching and trying to sell them, because you guys know, you guys are probably a couple years older than me chronologically, that you can't teach people new things. You can hopefully disrupt them, or positively disrupt them, yeah. to get thinking and asking different questions. So that's the whole mission. Each of you guys has talent and wisdom. I know your guys' material as well in, in your messages. We've shared stages together, the three of us, and I get inspired because everyone's got that phenomenal story that they don't know can impact people positively. Everyone on the planet has that story. I like to pull it out, extract, find the gems, and disseminate it back out as a storyteller. Yeah, I agree. Wow, that's Next heavy. Next question is Tony. yours, Brad. Sure, thank you. You know, I, I wanted to touch on this because uh, you, you kind of touched on it, Tony, and that's this. Um, we can read all of Napoleon Hill's works. We can read Dale Carnegie. We can read Dr. Wayne Dyer. We can read all these books, and then we take action. But the reality is, is everybody has to step back for a moment and look at their core competency. What are they mm -hmm. really, really good at? And, and I really feel like people devalue 
some of the things that they do every single day because it just seems like, well, it's what I do. Um, you guys know me. I have like five skill sets that I'm really, really good at. And I've come to mm-hmm. discover what they are. And I and you're right, Tony. A lot of people can't be pushed out of those. But you can enhance the magic that that person has within their own uh, power, their own core, their own innate ability. And, Tom, you, you have this amazing ability to be happy. Um, and, and you always say amazing, even though you're in pain. That, that resilience, that endurance, that, that's part of your innate ability. Tony, I want you to tell people a little bit, what do you think is your core competency, your innate, innate ability um, that really is the firebrand that lit up all those principles that we talk about so much? Well, it's another really good question, Brad. Um, I think, if anything, it's going to go back to a source of many. It was what Hill talks about as being persistent. And I think that when I'm doing a lot of keynotes and teachings, I remind people to go back to when they were seven years old. And I know some people might go, wait a minute, I'm a professional, I'm a CEO. And I go, I don't really care who you are. You were at one time seven years old. And the lessons we draw from that is when we're seven, the world is brand new to us from many angles. We're not corrupted by conditioning, uh, societal structures, schooling, some religion. And I mean that anti-religion by any means. But if it's the wrong teacher or teachers, that's years to, to try to maybe get through to someone that, you know, um, take a look at life with fresh eyes. So the persistence factor, all children innately have it. They have that gift of just being curious about things. And they hear the word no, and they just don't stop. So I think a lot of what I teach people is they have permission to get their good ideas out into the market space and then showing them how they're going to have to sell it, how are you going to capture or stand out with your boss or with your team, Um, how are you going to sell it to a very Google-driven world that's impatient where you have too much choice and not enough time and and digital distractions. Those three are what I open every keynote with and every talk is, you know, we go into it and we let people take our power. So I want everyone listening, and this is a good reminder for all three of us on this call, especially in the interview processes, every day people are trying to take our power. It's a negative remark. It's a negative comment on Facebook. It's someone that doesn't like what we do. It's a negative book review. I say, you know what, I respect that. I'm all about freedom of expression. However, I'm not giving you my power. And there are some days, guys, we know because we talk offline that people are attempting to take our power. It can get to us. So you need, as Zig used to teach, Zig Ziglar, the legendary sales trainer himself, check up something that up. And a lot of times groups that I'm brought in front of have never really been exposed to personal development. I'm not kidding you guys. What we take for granted goes back to what Tom was saying earlier. People will pay for it. They will take it and see wise value with it if, if it, it's the right moment. And if I'm training the company of 400 people on a topic such as repeat business, okay, how do you stand out? I weave in a lot of personal development because it's brand new and they go, wow, I've got this idea, but I don't, I'm afraid to sell it. That voice in our head, half the room of employees like, yeah, I, I remember I had this great idea a year or two ago, but it got shot down. And I give them permission to pull it out, dust it off, and re-get it in the market space or with their, their team or their employer to try it again. That's persistence, guys. And you look at all the great ones, and I consider you guys great friends and great business entrepreneurs and teachers. We've gone through a lot of crap, but here's the good but, because typically when someone says that, it negates everything positive, okay? The good but on this this point is that adversity creates wisdom. It creates persistence. And the quicker you can shorten the line of being shot down to getting back into action, the better your persistence muscle gets, and I've seen with people that have been written off, that have failed multiple times, when I interview them or I chronicle them or I'm doing coaching or retainer work with them, uh, man, they've got stories that dwarf ours of adversity. And some of the things I'm, I'm willing to I can really pull out of them, they feel comfortable, that's what I want to also share. Is you know, I was in a, stayed two weeks ago with the founder of Remax, okay? Dave Linegar, arguably the biggest real estate company in the world. He co-founded it. And I asked him a question, guys, that was pretty revealing. I said, Dave, I know you guys had different points from Remax wanted to fold. What was the point where you almost said I'm done? He said, well, it was in the 70s. My wife, you know, Gail and I had just gotten remarried again. It's our second marriage. And he goes, he looked at her and said, hon, I have to go back on the road again. You have to handle all the creditors, all the bill collectors, all the stress. I have to go out and recruit agents. No one's going to do it for me. Now, guys, he'd been through a divorce with several children involved. And he's telling his new wife, here we go again. 
you're going to have to handle all the craziness, all the stress. I mean, momentous amounts of stress with predators calling you. I'm going to go hit the road again. So that to me shows intense persistence that he's like, look, I could have folded right there, played the safe route. And he said, no, Gail and I made a commitment that I go on the road and she handles the fort. I was shocked. He told us that in front of a live audience because like Brad, you and I talked about this. Everyone thinks that Dave Leninger, his whole life, the founder of Remax, it must be magical. It must be all perfect and golden. Folks, it's not. If you read Napoleon Hill's life story, he doesn't hit as much on it in Think and Grow Rich, but in Outwitting the Devil, he's extremely candid and raw. He talks about years of failure. He was broke. I mean, what's often not talked about in Hill's library, and Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, Hill went through multiple divorces in the right. 20s and 30s. That was taboo. I mean, you talk about being demonized. His own family probably thought he was off the fruit branch many times. But yes. the message and the wisdom is timeless. So that's probably why I'm even more so drawn to the wisdom of Hill and not winning the devil because it spoke to me at the right moment in time. In my life's journey, in my faith journey, or on that road to success, as you would say, Tom, rather than the pit, and literally outwitting the devil arrived. I was like, wow, that's not a miracle I've ever seen one or a guy wink. So persistence is really what I try to inspire in people is to knock it off. Stop being so adult-like, so professional. And guys, I talk to groups of bankers, realtors, CPAs. These are traditionally non-sales people. And I get in from the first 10 minutes, they're freaking they're like, oh boy, he's one of them. But my mission is to disarm and to corrupt them in a good way. Let me rephrase that. Positively disrupt them, because we're recording, and get them to think, it's okay to try something new. It's okay to sell something and hear the word no, and then come back a year later with a fresh perspective on it and try it again. Uh, you know, we need more people in society to step up and do that. How's that? Amazing. Amazing. Uh, I'm yeah. remiss because I, we got this far in the interview without giving your website, mindcapturegroup.com, which is the same as a series of books you've written. And uh, the last one blew me away. You had some amazing interviews with some very cool people in there. So, uh, share with people a little bit about that last book and some of the great chapters uh, that uh, people are featured in and and uh, some of the stories they shared. Well, thank you, Tom. Well, the, the latest book in the series is, is Mind Capture, and the, and the theme is Leadership Lessons from Ten Trailblazers Who Beat the Odds and Influence Millions. And this was an eclectic group. I've been very fortunate. I don't take my interviews for granted to get probably now 100, 120 some odd and change interviews with top thought leaders from all over the place. Primarily business, sales and marketing, so that arena, commerce. They also go after literally rock stars. Um, those that are in the religious space that are very spiritual, like W.M. Paul Young. And if you look at the hardest challenge I had in the book was how do I narrow it down to what I call these 10? It was not easy. And uh, we put a bonus one in there and I, I, I Brad, you're on the line, so uh, brace yourself. <laughs> we also featured Brad Zalas. So I wanted to bring those trailblazers that are very well-known to those that are up and coming or what I call emerging or in different sectors. So it was uh, kind of this mixed bag of nuts. And I don't mean like they're crazy. Well, yes, I, I do think they're kind of crazy. They're trailblazers, okay, but in a good way. And I just said, you know what, what are the common core tendencies or the seven characteristics they possess? So to give you a range of some folks, say Brian Tracy. You know, the great business author and mind of our time who's still with us, Brian Tracy. Uh, we also went swing the pendulum over to W.M. Paul Young. I'm looking at his book on my shelf here in my library here, um, The Shack, which has sold 15 million copies, a book about God. So you can't get much more uh, one end of the pendulum to the other than go from Brian Tracy over to W.M. Paul Young. Then we shift over to Dave Limmer, who I mentioned from Remax a few minutes ago, who also did the forward to the book. And uh, still amazes me, guys. Let me give this bonus tip to everybody, and I'll come back on a few more of these trailblazers. Ask for more each day, everyone. Ask. Do not be afraid to send an email. Hey, I'd like to do an interview. Hey, I'd like to talk to you about what I do. I sent out some very aggressive asks this morning to different leaders, including the founder of Starbucks. Um, I think very, nice. very big. Why not? Why not do it, gentlemen? Yeah. We're here one time. Yeah. Shoot for it, and you'd be shocked sometimes what happens in a good way. So you go back to Dave Linegar, we interviewed John Stossel, used to be on 2020 with the ABC networks here in the U.S., now he's with Fox Television. I think his audience has reached about 8 to 10 million viewers. It's pretty big in a very fragmented media world. 
So to get to know folks like that um, was fascinating. And again, I pinch myself, but I do my homework. So when I approach these folks, I don't assume they're going to all say yes, but many do. And when I get them on the phone, I've read their material. I've looked at some of their online presence, their, you know, their, their life's work. And I throw questions at them, and they go, wow, this is different. So I look at each interview that I have to keep raising the bar. So if I go back at them, and some of them let me interview them multiple times. I mean, Dave Linegar has let me interview him three times from Remax. Ben Gay, the third, the, the legendary sales maverick, trailblazer. I've interviewed him multiple times. He's in the book as well. So just looking at that you know, unique mindset, what are the seven things they do, um, you know, a lot of things that we take for granted in our industry, that they, they do that and they continue to do it, guys. There's the clue. They don't just magically arrive at the top of their industry or their game and influence millions and just quit. Many of them just keep going at it and they keep resetting the goal. So it's also inspiring to watch those that have made, you know, literally media millions as far as viewers or have made hundreds of millions of dollars um, continue to be hungry in a good way to serve. So there's a few folks. Amazing. All right, Brad, you're next. I, I don't know what to say after all this now. <laughs> um, you know what? This is this is very interesting. You're touching base with something that uh, is near and dear to my heart, Tony and Tom. You know, we, we get like kids sometimes when we have to meet somebody that we consider, in quotes, famous. Or we want to shoot for something that seems impossible, and we say, oh, uh, I couldn't possibly go for that. And it's really, uh, it's not self-esteem. It's just kind of looking at yourself and saying, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. And, Tony, what kind of yep. mindset do you think it takes to interview these people? I mean, I never, I, I live in New York City, and I meet famous people all the time. And when I guess I'm weird because when I have ever met a famous person, I actually want to have a conversation with them. I'm not saying they're going, could you please sign my book? And, and it's kind of, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, I, yep. I've met, you know, everybody from Robin Williams to, you know, the, the top people, Bob Berg, all these people, and Tony Rubleski, couldn't wait to meet him, and Tom Cunningham, uh, because I wanted to pick your brains. That's what it was about. I saw you as comrades yep. and colleagues. So anybody listening, uh, can you give some insight, Tony, about you may be starting at the bottom today, but what does it take to get to that level where you can just sit there and, and interview a Dave Lineker without batting an eye? Um, I think it's a, it's a good question. It's powerful, Brad. Is It takes repetition. And we've heard this from Malcolm Gladwell, the, the great, I call him big picture thinker, and he's one that's on my hit list. I will eventually get Malcolm Gladwell on the phone. It's just a matter of focus. But Gladwell calls it your 10,000 hours. And I'm sure he got the research from somebody else, but he is, you know, the translator that disseminates in his fine work, okay? But the 10,000-hour theory is you have to put in for mastery of any craft, be it a doctor, a CPA, professional speaker. Those 10,000 hours are all the repetitions you put in a study, actually doing the task, the craft. And I think there's a lot of merit to that. My first few interviews many years ago, you know, I was a totally different person. But I had to start out with something. And as you get more repetition, more hours in, you get more comfortable where it becomes second nature. We get this, gentlemen. Uh, many of those listening have either met us or seen us at a live event or maybe heard us on an interview, okay? People come up to us afterwards and go, you guys make it look so easy speaking. I want to do that. And then it's like, oh, boy, this is a tough moment because they think that what you, you do, Brad, or Tom, or I do, is like just magically looks natural. I want to look just like that. And the next time yeah. I say it's about 10,000 or 20,000 hours, okay, 12 years of Toastmasters. Before I even got a paid gig, I was doing Toastmasters for years and years and years, competing, learning, getting evaluated, getting more and more confident. And then it's another 10, 11 years of paid speaking dates that, you know, repetition is the mother of all skill. It's not sexy advice. But if you want to get good at the craft, here's the best time to start, now. And you're going to fumble through. And the first couple, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad there was only a few people around to see that. I go back to, I was talking to somebody about this a couple of days ago, my first mind capture book. I'm proud of it, but also embarrassed. I'm like, whoa, my writing was so basic that such a small book, but that was the foundation, the starting point that I'm very proud of and thankful for. But my writing had better be getting better, <laughs> and I also better keep pushing the bar 
because I'm my own worst critic, like most people. And the whole mission is you get more and more repetition into it, it gets easier. The same with interviewing. Hey, we're on a live stage two weeks ago in Scottsdale with Dave, and he got a huge German Shepherd. I put a picture of this on Facebook, and it was kind of bizarre. But, you know, we had the questions. We've done the homework. Dave knew what I was going to ask. It was fun. And I can tell you guys, here's the secret to it. It's got to be about them. I definitely put myself below the interview guest, where people are like, wow, you give a great interview. I might have talked one or two minutes in an hour. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's not manipulative. It's knowing the goal. It's to be about them, where they go, wow, that was a fun interview. The hardest part I get is I'm a fan as well, but I sometimes fall into listening so close. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got to hustle and move into another question, or we've got to keep it more entertaining and shift to this direction. So I think if anything, Brad, to answer it is it's you've got to put the time in, and the best time to start is now. Um, I was joking with Lacey this morning about something about because she owns a business. So, yeah, think of Picasso. He probably did 500 different prints, and the first five or ten were horrible. But he's Picasso. He had to start somewhere. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, that's kind of true. And I think we forget mm-hmm. our own genius is not going to arrive in an instant text or a Snapchat. It's going to arrive a few years down the road because of all the hundreds of things we've done to take it there. And it's looking with future vision or future pacing to work in the trenches each day and not get defeated when we think, damn, when's it going to happen? You've got to keep moving. One progression, one step, one project, one speech, one interview at a time. Great. So let's remind people, the website, mindcapturegroup.com. Uh, mindcapturegroup.com. Tony, um, what about your message to millennials? A lot of times people in this age group don't know their, uh, what Napoleon Hill calls definite purpose or definite chief aim. They haven't experienced perhaps uh, the adversities and failures of someone older, 52, like me. And uh, perhaps they're not even familiar with Napoleon Hill, and if they read it, it's all old-time stories that uh, they're not so interested in this day and age. Uh, What what would you say, and Brad is a millennial expert, so this is something he deals with, but uh, what kind of message do you have for that age group who don't have their purpose, don't have the adversities and defeats yet, and maybe not, not even familiar with Napoleon Hill? Well, it's a little intimidating, Tom, with Brad on the line because I've read Brad's work and obviously I'm a <laughs> true believer and a huge raving fan. So, Brad, I'll give my best attempt at the millennial question because I get it all the time with audiences. Um, I'm married to a millennial. My wife is uh, 11 years younger, so Brad knows this. She's 32. I'm 43. So, that in mind, there are things that she absolutely drives me crazy about. And there are things that she will quietly go, well, how'd you do that? So it's a dual mentorship, even though we're husband and wife, about we look at our business and say, how would you do this differently? And she says, all right, here's what I recommend. And then she asks the same question back to me, and I go, here's what I recommend. My best crack at millennials is this. They're brilliant because we're all brilliant, okay? They're wired differently. And Brad's book outlines the case, and he works with them every day. Not to take away from what he's saying, but here's my two cents. Let me, let me build on it, if anything. Millennials have the gift of youth and energy. It's something I tell Lacey constantly. I say, but we that are a little bit farther down the life journey have the advantage of wisdom. And I tell millennials, they ask questions like, borrow the wisdom of those in front of you. And don't assume because we may not be as technologically savvy that we don't know what the hell's going on. Let me reference my interview with Dan Kennedy. It hasn't been released yet. I interviewed him five months ago in Denver before he took the stage. Hour and a half. And he said, Tony, here's what those of us that have been around the block a while we get paid for. We get pay- paid for a range of knowledge and wisdom. We have a lot of depth. He goes, I can walk in with 40 years of direct response. I'm paraphrasing him, but here's the gist of it. I get paid for my 40 years of copywriting knowledge and all my wisdom and all my research. A young consultant can't touch me because they don't have the historical knowledge of the range or depth that I do. And he was spot on, guys. Again. Full disclosure, Dan's been one of my central mentors for 20 years, Dan Kennedy, the no BS guy. Okay, He's that good. And I'm getting it more and more as I get into my 40s now that when I'm meeting with CEOs of a company or executive director or board of directors, um, I can draw wisdom from all these interviews I've done, you guys, all these books I've read. 
I've been getting paid to read books. It was a goal of mine years ago is to be able to get paid to read books. It's happened. It's manifested. And all that wisdom is a byproduct, reading and researching, then doing the live interview and taping, and going back to transcripts is giving me depth that I borrow from others. So I tell the millennials, you've got to keep hustling. You're going to have to do homework. It's not a five-second world or a five-minute Google search, guys and gals. You're going to have to put the time in to develop wisdom. They don't like to hear that. They want it all right now. They want it yesterday. That's how they've been raised for the most part. Brad, you, you could go on and on about this. You're probably <laughs> salivating. Okay? But it's the it's same look. It's not going to happen overnight. It has to maybe be a three, a five, or even a ten-year plan. And I think after they experience some deflation of their bubble with an idea getting shot down or the CEO saying, no, 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 here's the way we run it, they have to play in that land of compromise. Again, it's a two-way street. The employer says, I need your talent, your brilliance, you know, your skills as a millennial, that the digital, okay, and your ideas, your your youthful enthusiasm. However, the they also, who's writing the checks, guys? Typically, it's the boomers. So the boomers have all the money, and the millennials all want it, and they want all the power and the status, but they have to put in their dues. That's why it's always been said, you have to pay your dues. Let me give you one other quick thought yeah. on this. I absolutely crack up when I see all these Silicon Valley guys and gals that make their millions. Let's trace them over 10 years. Do they keep it? That, to me, is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, you can have a fluke or sell an app or a startup, but can you hold that wealth for 10 years and diversify it? That, to me, is a true mark of someone that's savvy for the long term, a business person, not a business flash in the pan. So, again, it's a powerful question, and that could be a whole interview for Brad. <laughs> Right. There's my two cents. <laughs> now, based on that, uh, Brad, uh, both of us want to hear uh, your answer to the same thing. And before you do, I uh, just want to let people know that uh, before I met Brad, I thought I was starting to be a crotchety old man because I didn't always understand <laughs> or even like what millennials were doing. But because of Brad, I'm <clears throat> learning more about them and how they think and how they speak and the different things they do. and uh, now I know they're just different, not crazy. Yes. Well, Tom, I, I hate to clue you in, but you're still a crotchety old man. <laughs> <laughs> has anybody, has this happened to anybody yet? You do something and you realize you're doing what your father used to do. And then right. Like, well, oh, yeah. Stop. Oh, yeah. 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 So the thing I tell millennials uh, is, yeah, it's going to take time. Uh, but I, I, you touched on it a little bit, uh, Tony. I, I like reverse mentorship and role model mentorship. And that mm-hmm. is whenever I do my keynotes, I actually jump off the stage and I'm in the audience and I say to the millennials, I say, I want you to pick one person you admire in your company and I want you to approach them on Monday morning and ask them to mentor you. And I said, don't be shy about it. I said, get in there. Tell them what you want to learn. And the same goes for the older people who are business people. <clears throat> I want you to, excuse me. I want you to look around the room and I want you to find that millennial that that strikes you as somebody that reminds you of what you were like when you were young and now I want you to approach them and I want you to say I'd like to mentor you. Is that okay? Or I want you on my team. And this isn't a chance to sit there and go, you know, I invented Teflon back in the seventies because they don't care about that. They need to know what they can do today to be better at their jobs today because there's so much missing from the millennials' uh, training from childhood. Boomers were, you know, pushed around and roughed up a little bit. We learned to fear our boss, and we saw hierarchy and everything. That's the my boss up there. He he's spent 20 years in the field, and we didn't think we could approach the CEO. And uh, we had to get up at 5.30 in the morning. And there's a lot of stuff going on in our heads about being busy. Well, millennials have none of that. It doesn't exist. And so you, we can assume that millennials don't get it. But the reality is, is they don't even have it in their mind to do certain things a certain way. And you're getting upset and you want to yell at them. And they're not even thinking like you. And uh, the number one thing I always talk about is this. Uh, how many of us feared our boss growing mm-hmm. up? Tony, Tom, yeah. you, you all. So what did you learn to do at your desk when the boss was coming by? 
you learn busy. to look busy. Exactly. <laughs> that way the boss could look at you and go, you know that Tony guy, he's got moxie. Well, what happened is we got busy, but we weren't necessarily productive. We were looking busy. Millennials have been trained, once their work is done, they don't fit their work into a bucket of time. Like eight hours to them is doesn't make any sense. If they can finish their work in two hours, they want to go home. And so they're looking at us like, huh? They never learn to look busy because they're not afraid of their boss. They're not afraid to uh-huh. get fired. As a matter of fact, they've been trained that the more mistakes they make, the more they learn. So you can see it's completely the opposite a mindset or behavior uh, from the two different generations. So we have to meet in between somehow where a, a no-judgment zone can help train each other together. And age is not the criteria for success anymore. It's, okay, what's your skill set? How can you help me? What can we learn here today? How can I move to this next team? Because leadership is rotational. Um, and you touched on all of that, Tony, in your, in your story. So that's my Well, Brad, let me, let me build up <laughs> what you said. I mean, being married to millennial, it, it keeps life interesting and dynamic because Lacey's playing around with Snapchat or she's doing Instagram or she's like, look, here's a promotion where we do texting. And she's utilizing the new methods of marketing, AK communication guys. And she's also saying, hey, here's what we think is not cool. And here's why we think it. So I get kind of like my own little beta test because I'm a Gen Xer. At my demographic, I'm right between the boomers and millennials. So I'm confused and skeptical and don't trust anybody by typical stereotypes or, you know, generational demographics. So right. I look at it sometimes and reluctantly go, yeah, she's kind of right. And then she might go, hey, how did you set that business plan up? Or how do we do a retention campaign? And it's a little bit more steps and sequential and online, offline. She goes, yeah, that might that make some sense. So there's, there's working on those, those rough edges with each of us to help each other right. get better. And people have said, gosh, you know, you look younger, your image has changed. Well, I'm happier, number one. Okay, that helps. But I'm also not, you know, uh, bullheaded and, and stuck in my way and say, look, I'm going to keep doing things the same old, same old. There's a whole yeah. segment, millennials down, that if I want to attract as a writer and a teacher to, you know, get in front of and share my message, I've got to adapt or I'm going to be become, you know, ancient. The, the, old Alvin, right. uh, the joke I say is, are you relevant versus a relic? And I want to stay right. relevant and not become a dinosaur, but also not be that creepy old man like that guy's trying too hard to be cool and he's not. So there's that balance of who I am along with adaptation. So, again, balance mm-hmm. of who you are plus adaptation. Right. I felt like a millennial hey. this past weekend, Tony. I was uh, speaking in Michigan, and I forgot to bring my dress shoes. So I had to wear my white running shoes, and I thought, oh, my God, I feel horrible. And Brad was saying, hey, that should be your style now. It's like, I'm too yeah. old to have a style. <laughs> what is it, Garrison Keeler? Uh, from the Prairie Home Companion, he only red, wears red uh, sneakers with a suit. So, you know, if it's going to be your style, Tom, it should be your style. You don't wear a tie <laughs> I just felt day. so uh, old or out of place, but this is how millennials are and what they do. They don't care. Yeah. And I don't wear a tie anymore because I know that doesn't impress them, that's for sure. And it's hard for me to put on. Not at all. Not at all. The millennials I work with, they they sure don't care about certain things they care about if i'm hip and cool and uh do i get them am i a collaborative am i willing to join in on what they're doing rather than being the older guy who tries to boss them around uh you have to be a part of of uh, the team uh, that's how they see it and that's how they were raised well so i'm using on something earlier that we all agree it was we, we become like our parents and we get crotchety um the first year Lacey and I dated, there were times I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm set my way. I, I was a grumpy old man. She's like, you're being like a grumpy old man. Bring an open mind. And she really had to push me at times to get on, like, you know, these different medias. My first Instagram post, she helped show me how to do it. Now I'm hooked. I'm like, okay. But, you know, for five, six months, I was like, eh, what is that stuff? It's for the teenagers. And about a year in, she's like, try it. And I, I did. And I'm like, wow. So, well, again, it goes back to bringing an open mind. Well, Tony, I have been blown away by Lacey's work, and, and this ties into what we're talking about. You have to become relevant. You have to always be up to date, and that's part of Napoleon Hill said that. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be a part of the times. Well, Lacey uses Instagram by showing the before and after pictures because 
uh, a lot of people may not know this, but her salon specializes in makeovers that just make mm-hmm. women go from pl- plain to stunning. So she always photographs the girl walking right in the place, and of course, there's no makeup on, so they look plain. And then the aftershot <laughs> is like, oh my goodness, she's a movie star, and you cannot help yourself. And she brands it Lace of Faith at the bottom, and you're just like, I, I, I gotta know where that is. And and you're being modest, Tony, but people fly in from California to Idaho to get their their makeup done at Lacey's uh, spa. I mean, this is a sound. Yeah. It's, it's just using social media. Yep, she that and organic word of mouth. I mean, she does no marketing yet. Now she's looking at maybe doing some traditional, blended in with that because she's expanding. Uh, and I'll give you guys a hint, Tom. It might be a future interview guest. Hint, hint, large hint, um, because. It, it's just interesting. And there are times I'm like, wow, I, I'm amazed. Because, again, I said it 10, 15 minutes ago. We all have genius. We all have talent. Right. And the millennials are brilliant. And when we joke about them, that's also kind of saying, hey, we don't really quite know what they do, but it must work. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's, it's always fun because I can turn that audience in. I might have traditionally 20 or 30% of a group that's millennial. Okay, in the company, right? And I, I get them on my side right away. I joke them. I'm like, "You guys are good, good sports." And then I have the other generation. So look, pen and paper. Look at this one. It was called pen and paper. And they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah." And you can hear the groans. But it's saying, "Look, we all have different skill sets, and the technology changes. That's what keeps evolving. And you go to the digital ADD. It's real. But how do you keep up with it all? And I always tell people, "Look, get good at one or two platforms and stick with it. And once you get really good at it, maybe look at add another one up or you hire a team yeah. on to help you do it eventually. But trying to keep yep. up with the 10 different social media platforms, the big 10, it's foolish. Pick one or two and yeah. get really good at it. Right. So, yeah. Right. And here's a kind of an example of how things change uh, where I live in Toronto and uh, Ontario. They don't even teach cursive writing any longer. Why teach mm-hmm. cursive writing when people print or type? And it's like, wow, I had to line them up. I had to make them fit in the lines, and I had to practice for hours and hours and days. Yeah. And now they don't even teach cursive writing. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Right. We're going to see what happens with that. So, yeah, Study things have really that. changed uh, education-wise and with the young people. I know for my radio interviews, I pay... Uh, 15-year-old, 20 bucks to edit them for me because they, he can do it in seven minutes wait, and I can do wait, it in wait. an hour and a half. Wait a minute. Tom Cunningham delegated? What? Right. Awesome. A <laughs> 15-year-old. What? What are you, 35? 52. Tom, <laughs> and I even can't spell Audacity, it. the program they use, let alone uh, use it. Tom is learning to delegate, ladies and gentlemen. This is a guy who still wants to use a rotary phone. And right. delegated. We have captured it live, global. This is, well, thanks, we, guys. We, we shifted him. You did. We could go on forever, three guys like us. My goodness, we could probably talk all afternoon. But let's uh, cut it off for the listeners. Uh, by the time you speak an hour, they're probably losing interest. But uh, please uh, find out more about Tony. Uh, go to his website, mindcapturegroup.com. Uh, a lot of great information, a great website. I think your buddy Paul, uh, how do you pronounce Paul's last name properly? Mr. Paul Giants. I have to thank him for his help. And uh, the blog, guys, is tons of stuff. Lots of current stuff for our audience. There's lots of good, you know, I wouldn't say content rich, I would say a very valuable. Um, customized information because you know a lot of the topics are like yeah we read your blog that was great I use it for my sales meeting I borrowed half of them I find just give me a little credit <laughs> so I want to make sure people that they show up that they're rewarded for their time and attention right and I'm right. a big fan of your newsletter I love uh, the part Thank about you. what books you're reading uh, that's one of my favorite parts and uh, so when you go to the website mindcapturegroup.com sign up for that newsletter and remember please go to Brad's site, especially if you're uh, an older, crotchety old man like myself, uh, liquidleadership.com, you'll learn a lot about uh, maybe your own kids, uh, maybe about your employees, and uh, it will certainly make you a better communicator to whoever you work with or come in contact with. That's definitely And like Tony, we try to bring uh, some great content there. I have guest writers sometimes. I have a 
a guy who is the former uh, architect for the cloud division at Dell, uh, Rob Hirschfeld. Uh, he's a guest blogger, and we talk about managing across the generational divide, uh, how that works. And we have a lot of fun with that. And then Todd Churches and I, we talk about you know what to do if you're interviewing. <laughs> you're a boomer, and you're being interviewed for a job by a millennial. What do you do? So it's it's cross-generational mm. stuff, and, and this has become uh, a huge issue now because millennials are now stepping up into leadership positions. Most people get their first leadership role at 35, and guess who's sitting 35? <laughs> That's mm. millennials. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting world coming up. And thank you, Tom, uh, for plugging me a little bit. I appreciate that. <laughs> I want to plug you a lot. And also, best-selling book cover designers for the journey to Yes. Series of books, Tony, ooh, you should have seen when Tony agreed to write a chapter for the book. I was, and you can hardly picture a guy with four knees and four hips for a place dancing, but I was doing a little victory <laughs> dance when I got that uh, message from Tony that he's contributing. It's going to be the very first chapter in the book. And uh, Jim Stovall, the amazing Jim Stovall, is writing the foreword for the book. And the we're going to have a 3D cover that you've uh, helped design. And so I'm really looking forward to that book to uh, find out more about it. I think it'll be launched likely in June when everybody's chapters are in, and uh, it'll be a great book, and Tony's chapter is going to start it all off. So thanks, guys. It was a great pleasure uh, interviewing you again, Tony. You got the record now four times on Journey to Success Radio. Well, thank you, sir. And, uh, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. It's almost like the time just rips by because, like I said, we're having a cup of coffee at Starbucks or Tim Hortons in Canada, eh? Keep up the good work, guys. I mean, the, the mission is real simple. We love to help people. We love to teach. And we never know when this interview is doing, being done right now in real time where it's time shifted out and it could change someone's life or multiple lives. And, you know, that's what we do. We, we, we get people to awaken yeah. and capture their minds. You never so, know. Good job. Thanks, you guys. Never Have know. an amazing day. You too, Tom. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thanks, Tony. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.